Hello, everybody. Here I'm there to talk about Anchor. It's one of the best podcast uh, platforms that you can you can uh, go on. You can put all your podcasts on Apple, Google, any place. Any place to put up your podcast, you could all do it in one place. Anchor has all the tools to allow you to record and edit your podcast right from the phone or computer. And you can distribute any of your, your podcasts on any platform like Apple, Spotify, Anchor, you know, Anchor, Stitcher, iHeart, everything. It's everything you need you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. And let me tell you, I have had great experience with Anchor. Download the Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started today. That is Anchor FM to get started today. Welcome to Cindy and Joe's show. I'm Joe. I'm Cindy. It's been a crazy train of emotions for Red Wings fans as they have uh, seen uh, the Red Wings go from wins to losses to wins to losses. And you know what I took from it is I was listening to Jack Blashaw on the ticket today, and he was saying now how sometimes he's got to get the young kids woven in. Sometimes when they get down, they get too down. And when they get too high, they get too high. He goes, sometimes... These kids need to learn that they, that when you're doing good, it's not going to last forever. And you can't let it get to your head because if you let it get to your head, that's when you get beat like you did against Boston. Well, that's it exactly, you know, and that's typical of, he's got a young team and the, the benefits of having that young team is he's got a lot of tremendous talent coming up. They've got a lot of energy. They've got a lot of potential. Um, and, you know, they're, they're fast. Uh, they've got the, just all the benefits and trappings of uh, benefits of youth, but they've also got the trappings of youth. And he's pointing that where you know sometimes the psychological game has not caught up with their physical game. Yep. And and that's exactly what Jeff Blaschel is saying. And so what he was indicating is that he needs to manage the psychological game as much as he does the the physical game uh, for this young team. And you know, but hey. Look what happened when they came back against San Jose. What an amazing game that was. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that is, makes them exciting to watch. And um, I think that you're going to see nothing but more and more uh, of those types of, of things. Yeah, you're going to get the low lows, but the highs are something that uh, are great to see when you see them. I mean, look at those two shorthanded goals in 37 seconds. I mean, we haven't seen a shorthanded goal out of Detroit in forever, and now we've got two of them. In, 101 games. In, yeah, yeah, I mean, in, inside inside of, uh, you know, 37 seconds, you get two of them. I mean, you know, that's that makes for a great storyline. I, I don't I don't care what the composition teams, it makes for a great storyline, makes for great view, hockey viewing. Yeah, and the one thing I, I took from the interview, though, is he's they're going on a West Coast trip this, this week, and he says, you know, the one thing he has to talk to a young team about is when you go to the good weather states and you... <laughs> You, stay want, off the beach. You want to enjoy yourself. He goes, listen, it's a business trip. That's it's right. It's a business trip. And, you know, that's that's the thing that, you know, the one thing that Jeff Blaschel has really got a bad hand at is the leadership that he's shown and the leadership that he um, teaches within the pro, the the, uh, the program that they're, they're building, the culture. You know, Stevie Y obviously kept him around for a reason. He believed in Jeff Blaschel. I believed in Jack Blaschel. Yes, you did. But you were wrong about Michigan football. Got to take another opportunity to get that in there. I've been right about more than I've been wrong. <laughs> Listen, you know, Jack Blaschel has got very, he's got, he has got a lot 
that hate hate towards them. Like, and 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 it and some of it is warranted on the way that they played. You know, obviously going through rebuild. You know, Rebel fans are a little bit like, we got to be better. We got to be better. We got to be better, right? But the the reality of the situation is, like Stevie Wise said when he got here, it's going to be a process. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be growing pains. It's going to be tough. But you gotta you gotta deal with those. You know, to be to get where you're at, you gotta you gotta deal with the ups and the downs, and that, you don't really go from bad to great. Well, and it's it's you know it's a matter of having patience, and again, that's one of the things you develop as you get older, as in natural progression, you develop patience, and uh, you know it's something that Stevie Y has demonstrated, not just patience and seeing the progress of his team come along, but you know patience with. Um, you know the, the the fans' patience with the organization. Um, just gosh, have you ever seen a more level-headed, even-keeled, and even tempered tempered guy? I mean, and he has such a discipline. I think just Stevie Y just shows such a tremendous discipline, and that's something you know that these young players can also learn from. And Jeff Blaschel is it's good thing that he's so good with these young players because he's going to have another one coming up who is impressive. And as exciting as Mo Sider and Lucas Raymond are, and we both called that beginning mm-hmm. of the season, we knew that these two were going to be people to watch. These were players to watch. We told everyone this. We told you our third one, and we got confirmation again from a scout um, friend of ours who uh, was over in Sweden recently, getting, getting, geez, getting a look see at um, Simon Edmondson, and uh, Simon Edmondson is going to be even more interesting and more exciting than Mo Sider and Lucas Raymond, which I find hard to believe because these guys have simply ignited the wings. Yeah, this is what his message said. Yeah, t- okay. tell us the message. So his message... We got people. His message was loud and clear. And we'll post this on Between the Whistles and uh, Ice Queen. But his message was very, very stark. Okay? He called Sider. He called Raymond. He said they were both going to be really, really good players. But when he said this, I go, I went, okay, calm down. But knowing that he's an NHL scout for an NHL team that does scout pretty well, when he said this, I was like, okay. Yeah, it's not like he's a scout for Ottawa or Calgary. Or yeah, he's not, he's, not, <laughs> he's not a scout in ECHL where a bunch of bums are. He's not. He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a scout for one of, the, one of the good organizations in hockey. And he said something that was like, dude, calm down. And he was like, no, I'm serious. His exact words were, if you think cider is good, if you think cider is good, and you think that um, you think that cider is good, you think that Raymond's good. Wait till you get a look at this Simon Edmondson kid. He is the best prospect that will come out of Sweden in the next ten years. And apparently, my understanding is he's got a shot as good, if not better, than Nick Lindstrom, and uh, one of the best shots they've seen out of Sweden in in since Lindstrom. Yeah. So the, the, the guy, the guy, literally said, "He goes, I have not seen a shot since Lidstrom. And he's been around hockey for a long time, twenty five years. He says I haven't seen a shot better than Edmondson. And it's not just the shots, but it's the he plays as a mean streak. He really plays as a mean streak. He likes to hit the. He likes to hit. He's not a big guy, but he likes to be. He's a he's a strong, tall player who who likes to inflict his his." His tall, 
you know uses physical yeah, yeah uses physical just, ability yeah but he said he said he's like this and I said okay dude calm down this is what he, when he said this I was like calm down he's not he said he's kind of like a Nick Lidstrom and Victor Hedman clone wow because he said he said he's tall and he's got size he's gonna get he's gonna get more bulk um, to him bulk to him he goes but there is not a better shot that has came out of Sweden that's including Victor Hedman that's including um, guys like uh, Rasmus Dahlin, Sider, all those guys. He goes, there's not a better shot in, in hockey right now in the, in, the, in the Swedish Hockey League. There's not. He goes, the Swedish Hockey League is a very, very uh, good league to watch. Very good league. But he goes, the Red Wings have a lot of studs in that league. And in a couple years, give them two of those guys, an Evanson and another guy. Like like a, a Bert, you know, he said Bergren, but he's in AHL right now. Yeah. He goes, give them two of those guys, they're going to be contending for a cup easily. Oh, no, no doubt. And I'll tell you, it would not surprise me, based on everything that I've heard and everything I've seen about Simon Evanson, would not surprise me, Joe, if he doesn't even go to Grand Rapids. I bet he comes right into, onto the roster next that's, year. That's what the guy said. Yeah. You know, he, the scout said, me. the scout said, I go, so is he going to be in the AHL next year or whatever, or the year after that? He goes... Dude, he's not going to the American Hockey League. He's coming straight to the big leagues. He's ready to play. He's got the size, the skill, and the poise. He goes, sometimes he can be a little aggressive, but he goes, he goes, he uses aggressiveness to, to make big-time plays. Like, he's a big-time elite player. But that's going to work for the Detroit Red Wings because if we've seen, if there's nothing else that's been proven this season, it's that when Detroit plays physical, they win. Yeah. Every time. Whenever they stray from that, that's when they struggle. So Detroit needs to play a physical game. They need to be constantly, you know, they need to be concentrated. They need to check. They need to be constantly, you know, pushing the, the envelope, pushing forward in, in the uh, in the offensive zone. They need to constantly be, uh, you know, keeping that, you know, staying out of the neutral zone, neutral zone, that was one of their failures last year. I think they've done a great job of keeping it down there in the zone and just keeping the pressure on, keeping the pressure on, being right there at the net, ready for that puck to get there and be ready to make the play. And we have, we're seeing that and we're seeing them be aggressive about that. And so that is what's working for the Wings. They need to continue that. And I think Simon Edvinson fits beautifully into that model and into that style of play. And I think he's absolutely a cup contender in the next season or two, absolutely. And I do expect the Wings to make it into the playoffs. I, I, I do too, but, you know, here's the thing. Like, the guy also said, you know, he's been around hockey for 25 years. You know, he's been with a couple organizations, and he's he has three cups as a, as a scout. And the one thing that I, I was very, very shocked to hear is – you know, usually when you hear a scout say, you know, like, yeah, if there was a redraft, you know, this player would go number one overall, whatever. But with the Red Wings, he's like, there is um, like four or five players that would go in the first round that were picked in the later rounds. And if there was a redraft of the top ten, three, the last three, the last three drafts the Red Wings have had with the Cider, Raymond, and Evanson. They would all go number one if there was a redraft. Yeah, and, and look, and Stevie Y had the vision and had the wherewithal to secure these players. He saw their talent. 
I think Steve Eiserman already had in his mind when he got to Detroit, probably before he got to Detroit, he already had in his mind exactly the picture of the team he wanted, and he has now gone about getting it. I don't think it's like he came here and said, all right, I'm going to figure out what we're going to do. I think he knew exactly what he wanted. He's got, he has, he knows exactly the type of team he had in mind yep. for Detroit. And, he, and he's just systematically going through and making it happen, which is why he was so adamant that it's going to take time because he knew it was going to take some time to find those pieces that were going to fit into his puzzle that he already had set. So you're just seeing the realization of Stevie Y's worthwhile dream here with the yeah. Detroit Red Wings. And you're, we're seeing it happen and unfold right but before But you, know right? you know what we're also seeing, though? Is we're also seeing a guy... And a general manager who is not afraid to take calculated risk that he everyone thinks is risk, but he knows it's not a risk. It's because it's the organization the Red Wings have had and have had for a long time with their scouting and development and how they how they approach things. And you know, listen, he he, he followed a different mindset. The way it was conveyed to me from the scout was this is not even the same mindset he had in Tampa Bay. This is a way different mindset. He's going like literally. He is literally doing what Ken Holland did and Jim, Jim Devolano did, where he's picking players that are, you know, that no one really thought would be that great, and he's making them great. Like, you know, Stevie Y wasn't a number one overall pick, and he knows that. Of all people, he knows that. That's right. So he knows that he can find talent, Hall of Fame talent, outside the number one overall pick. The lottery has, has really screwed him over twice. But he's he said, <laughs> okay, you're fine, and you know that's the scouts, the the the, the guy I talked to, he said, there's one thing that's known and everyone fears, is Stevie Y continuing to be Stevie Y in Detroit, because he's got a different mindset, he's got a way different mindset than he had in Tampa Bay, the Tampa Bay mindset yeah. he was trying to, he was trying to put together players around Victor Hedman and. And stamp coast and trying to make the team, you know, more competitive. And they won Stanley Cups, but he goes, it looks like in Detroit, that's going to be a team that's going to be, they're going to go on that run where they don't miss the playoffs for another 20 years. He goes, because that is the way Detroit does things. That's how they do it. Yeah, and I think so too. I think you're right. That's the difference between Stevie Wise's approach in Tampa where he had a couple of really key marquee players and then he was going to kind of build them a supporting cast. What you see happening in Detroit is you're not just going to have one or two or three marquee players that can say, okay, those are Hall of Famers. No, you're going to go to every single player on that team and say, wow, yep, that could be a marquee player on any other team. Wow, yeah, yeah that guy too. And you're going to have five, six, eight, ten of these guys like you did on the 2002 team. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's just a matter of bringing that to fruition. But he's got all the foundation laid, and he's going to continue to plug in pieces, and maybe he'll get lucky here and, and there. And the one thing that he said is his trades have been masterful. And we know that for sure. The Fabry yep. trade, the the Nick Letty trade, the Alex Andalkovich trade – I mean, this guy, every time he touches a trade, he wins that trade hands down. The Jacob Verona trade, which, you know, the Rebels are playing, they're playing 500 hockey right now. But when they get Verona back, it's 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 going to be, they're going right. to be ripping and rolling because they're going to have two lines that can score. Now you're, talk, now you're cooking with peanut oil. 
You're really getting this. You're really getting this thing hot. Cooking with Crisco. Yeah, now you're you, this, this thing's getting hot and it's ready to boil, and you're just you're gonna put the French fries in the thing. <laughs> this is this is exactly what Steve Eisenman is doing, and when he adds Simon Evanson to the team, you know it's gonna be like, listen, we're gonna have more talent. This is how this is how Stevie Y has done things, and it's, he's, it's, he's, it's, it's really it's really you're starting to see the dividends of what you've gone through the last six years of the rebuild you're starting to see it pay off you know you everyone didn't think much of dylan larkin but he has shown that he is a leader and a team leader and even blackshaw said it he's a team leader you look at bertuzzi a lot of people paid attention to his vaccination says whatever and and, and him not being vaccinated not playing beyond playing canada which i think i think he's i think he might get the vaccine if they get to the playoffs that's besides the point the reality of the situation is those two players took a little bit of time to get to where they are now you got players that are coming into the fold that are coming ready to play, and that was Stevie Wise's goal. And he has the leader that he knows is his perennial leader at the center position, and Don Larkin, who who has has in people around the organization that are closely involved with the Ravens. They say Don Larkin has done everything that Stevie Wise has asked, and that's why Stevie Wise named him captain last year because he. Saw a little bit of Dylan Larkin in himself, where he kind of he came into a bad situation where he, you know, he was asked to do a lot of things that he really wasn't capable of doing, and he would cost the team. You know, I mean, it's good to put it's good to put up points and all that stuff, but if you aren't playing defense, you're not playing winning hockey, and that's the thing that Stevie Wise it told uh, Dylan Larkin: you got to play two-way hockey, and you got to yeah. be the team leader, and if you want to be the captain of the Red Wings. You look down the line, and you look at that line of captains that they had at the at the the, the season opener, where all the captains were sprawled out, and there was not one captain that you were go, yeah, that guy was a bum, like none of them. You you looked at a, a line of captains were Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer, Hall right, of Famer. Right, right. You don't wear the. They weren't even marginal players. Right. You don't right. wear you don't wear the C in Detroit, being an average player. That's right. That's right. So, and and you, if you're picked by the captain, yeah, the captain, and there's only one. If you're picked by the captain to be the captain, right? I got to think that you made the right, Stevie Y made the right choice because out of everyone who is a captain, if Tom Brady names a captain, you're like, okay, <laughs> okay, take his word for it. He knows what he's talking about. He might about. know his stuff in right. this regard. Yeah. If, if Stevie Y names a captain, you're like, okay. Um, I, look, everything I say is moot point because Stevie Y made him the captain. That's right, and that's funny because you know, my friend, our friend of the show, my friend Darren McCarty, said uh, one time he's like, you know, what's the right answer? Because Stevie said so. Because Whatever. Everything Stevie says, you. It's you, because Stevie said so. He's earned carte blanche. Everything right. yeah. Stevie Y does is it, it, like he's the only GM in this town right. where he could do something that like I don't get. I'd be like, okay, Steve. Yeah, I, I don't get it, but a well, little bit out there. But I'm trusting you. Well, here's the thing, Steve. Here, I believe that what you've seen is that the these key players on the Detroit Red Wings today, um, the key leaders, the team leaders, Bertuzzi, Larkin, uh, you know, even some of these young guys who are coming up. But you're seeing. They are now reliable, reliability and bankability, just like Stevie Y. And uh, you know, I like I like Bert. You know, Bert's snappy. I love Bert. I, I mean, he's, I love his style of play. I know a lot of other people out there like it too. You know, but but it wasn't. You know, you couldn't say Bert was. You know, 
super reliable. And but he's really upped his game too. I mean, let's not under let's not under value the tremendous strides Bertuzzi has made this year. He really is coming off that injury and then just really just um, doing so incredibly well. He's really upped his game. Uh, Dylan Larkin has become a you know the, the leader they need him to be. I think Stevie sees it all coming together. And as they come into the you know, this next stretch of, as you pointed out, games are on the West Coast, they've got a couple of opportunities there. You know, Anaheim's going to be a tough game for them. Um, but, you know, I think they're you're pretty much evenly matched against the L.A. Kings. That's going to be another game. I think they've got an opportunity to pick up a win there. Uh, they've showed that they can beat San Jose. Uh, let, I don't know if they're going to be able to beat San Jose on their own ice. But, you know, uh, another opportunity to have a matchup with them. Uh, you know, and then, of course, then they're coming in, they're, they're picking up with uh, a game against Winnipeg and at home when they come back. And I think there's an opportunity for a win there. So I, I think out of the next four or five games, and then, of course, they play Buffalo yeah, on the 15th of January. So looking at those five games, I think there's a really good chance that the Wings could pick up three out, three wins out, out of those five games. So pick up, uh, you know, what maybe six six points or so, I think would be, you know, something that's really realistic and that could put them – right up in there into that wild card race. They slipped out a little bit, yeah. but they're only a point behind, and I think that they could pick up six points, maybe more. And uh, listen, I think the rubbings are in, they're trending in the right direction. That's what, obviously, we think. And listen, they they have a tough road trip, but I think the guys are going to come out and play their best hockey because, listen, I don't really think that the Boston game left a good taste in their mouth. And, uh yeah. You look at the Rebens and, and the way that Nadalkovich has been playing. I would not be surprised. And this is a little bit of a, a tasty rumor. Tasty. That is being tossed in the NHL right now. That there is a chance that the Rebens could float a trade for Thomas Grice because they think they they, they have a, they have a backup goaltender in Grand Rapids that they think that can back up Ned. Caden Fulcher. I wouldn't say that. Okay. Uh, but, I'm, the only reason I'm saying that is because, you know, they they, they did uh, reassign him to the taxi squad. Yeah, he, he could be the one. But um, what I think is they really want to get another defenseman in here. And I think that Thomas Grice, you pull a goalie for a defenseman, usually those are trades that uh, general managers will make because goalies and defensemen are hot commodities, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, Thomas Grice has played good hockey. But obviously, Nadalkovich has earned the role as a starter. Yeah. And Grice is a free agent after this year, so if you can get, let's say, let's say you make a trade with like a uh, a team that's out of it, like a I don't know who's out of it, but if you make a trade and get a good defenseman in uh, in trades with the, the the Thomas Grice, that can make a big impact towards the end of the year when they go towards the playoffs. Sure, and they're going to need that. They're going to need to shore up their defense. I mean, they've obviously, you know, Mo Sider can't do it all. But, Danny, you know, who else is stepping up pretty well is Danny DeKaiser. I think Danny DeKaiser is doing um, better than anticipated. Well, I really expected him to just roll downhill this it's season. The, uh, it's the other thing that people just they, – people got to calm down. They take things way too seriously. Like, when you look at Danny DeKaiser and you looked at the past years, you go, he's been a bad player, right? What defenseman coming in here as a young defenseman is? It's like the Dylan Market thing. He has to. He's asked to do too much. He's not asked to do his job. And when you when you get some talented players, like I said, around him, you get the talented players around on the team. It shores up what they have to do. They're not. They don't have to be the savior 
or be the best player. They, they just had to make the right plays. Well, you know, another thing that I found interesting, and there's a couple other players that got reassigned to the taxi squad uh, here today or yesterday, and, and one of those is Luke Witkowski. And I think that's another one. You want to watch. I think Luke's been a very valuable part of the organization and developing these players because he's a, he's got that veteran presence, mm-hmm. and I think he has a lot to offer. He plays customer. a physical game. Right. And so, uh, but I thought that was, you know, interesting. And then Riley Barber, too. So, um you know, these are three guys who were reassigned to the taxi squad, and I think that says something too about the direction of where they're going and uh, where they, what they think they're going to need here in this next five games coming up. Yep. Um, so you, we'll we'll be interested to see how that goes, but I think this could be a good opportunity. I really do think, by the way, that these next five games, given the variety of the the uh, competition they're going to be facing, some at home, some on the road. Uh, this will tell the tale. I think this could be a, a turning point for the Red Wings. It would be a tremendous boost to the pre-Verana return that could put them in a very good position and get them to build some solid momentum rolling into the second half of the season. I'm going to make a claim. Are you going to make another bold prediction? Yeah, because I've been, th- I've been thinking about this. Everyone is hating on Phil Zadina right now. But I will make a claim. When Verona goes to the second line, because they're not breaking up Raymond and Bertuzzi. Nope, Martin. they're not going to touch it. When Raymond, when Verona goes to the second line, mm-hmm. watch Zadina take the F off. Because, he, because... You, why do you say this, though? Because you had two offensive guys who are creative, and then you create a guy like Verona who likes, he, he, he likes to be a playmaker. He likes to shoot. Zadina likes to shoot. They're just going to be shooting pucks at the net like crazy is what that line that second line needs is they need another uh, guy who can score and that is you can tell with the Zadina and Suter and they try they try too hard sometimes now Suter gets a puck in net but you at you when you package Zadina you package Verana and you package Suter up together now you're asking to play a little bit of a different game you're not asked to do now you got three people to defend not two and now you're cooking with peanut oil because now the defense can't the defense that is playing you they can't lean in and they can't take away uh, Zanina they can't take away Stewart because a lot of teams are using that defense they know when you get to the second line let's get let's get two bodies on Suter let's get two bodies on Zadina, and then we have two bodies for the defenseman and there's not many places that they can go because we're kind of janking it up the best teams have two lines that can roll. And Verona, put the, he makes that second line click. Yeah, I think he's going to... I think there's an argument there. I think I, I think he could be onto something, really, that he could be a catalyst. And uh, for that to ignite the second line... You got you to... You gotta, in my opinion, you got to have three guys on the first line, three guys on the second line that can do different things that they're asked to. And then it opens up the game for the whole team because then you're... Then you, now they can't focus. The, the defense can't focus on uh, the offense or whatever. And speaking of different things and guys who can do different things and how important that is, just want to point out one more time because you know I got to point out how you know you were a little wrong. Uh, I'm again right. Look at Nemetsnikov. I told yes. you Nemetsnikov was going to be. This is going to be a breakout year for him. Look at this. He's excelling in every area and he's getting physical. Mm-hmm. The guy can show he can play physical as well as be is playing. Finesse, and that I'm telling you, he is a Renaissance man when it comes to 
the ability of what he can do, the variety of what he can do, and he does it all well. Or, you know, and that, again, another magical piece of the puzzle. He's almost like a universal blood donor. You can put him anywhere, and he'll give you what you need to stay alive. And I just did not want this segment to end without pointing out Nemetsnikov, Keep watching that player. He's been very, very good, and you will not hear better insight on the Detroit Red Wings than Between the Whistles. Like all the insight that you get. And thank you to our sponsor, Wild Bills. And That's right. Wild Bills Tobacco. I'll tell you what. they Those guys just keep growing. Talk about doing everything right. Yep. Wild Bills does everything right. They'll do everything right for you. If you enjoy tobacco products, I can't recommend them enough. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not a smoker myself, but I know Joe enjoys his tobacco. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's chewing it right now as we speak. Yeah, it's been and... a long day. <laughs> it's been a long it's day. Been a long, it's been a long episode. We have had a great episode. Yeah, we so have. It's, it's time to... Close it out. Close the ash, and <laughs> we'll be on to next week. Look forward to seeing you then. We'll recap the Lions season and what the travesty that was. And uh, more. Always more to see. Always more. We will see you next week. See you then.